0: i Green for
1: Good morning, Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm James Barty in Washington. Today is Monday, August 8th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. Today is Presidential Election Eve in Kenya. Since Saturday, Kenyans
2: have been uh, pretty much... Uh... ...quietly mulling over the messages, especially the last messages that were delivered by the main presidential candidates so that they can make an informed decision on Tuesday.
1: We'll also have an analysis of the Kenyan election. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken visits Soweto Township in South Africa on the first day of his Africa tour. South Sudan's presidential spokesperson is grateful to have served this country after being fired by President Kiir. I Coast President Ouattara pardons his predecessor, Laurent Babo.
3: Right now, I believe that you know, what the majority of the people were expecting was the release of all of the military officers who are being arrested. Up to now, we are talking about hundreds of
1: them. And Malawi's pro-democracy group denying the anti-government protests are being funded by outsiders. Those stories plus something Umali sports are coming up on Daybreak Africa. Kenya, as the country reads to vote for president tomorrow, Tuesday. On the line from the capital, Nairobi, its view is Vincent Mankori. Good morning to you, Vincent, and welcome to Daybreak Africa. What is the mood in the country?
2: Thank you very much, James, uh, for having me and uh, talking about uh, the campaigns. Yes, they ended, and uh, since Saturday, Kenyans have been uh, pretty much. Uh, Quietly mulling over the messages, especially the last messages that were delivered by the main presidential candidates so that they can make an informed decision on Tuesday uh, as they vote. The country has been quiet uh, because by law, you cannot continue any campaigning, so uh, throughout uh, the, you know, Sunday until today, Monday. There is no campaigning that is allowed, and therefore it was a quiet Sunday, and uh, it uh, it's expected to be a quiet Monday, James, as uh, people wait to vote on Tuesday.
1: You mentioned the quiet before the vote, but I was reading Kenyan newspapers on Sunday, and there was an article that caught my eyes about President Uhuru Kenyatta, are going to speak or was to speak on Sunday to residents of Mount Kenya. We know that President Kenyatta has been a vocal supporter of uh, Raila Odinga, and there's been this reservation about his speech. What are people saying there?
2: Yes, this is uh, based on the fact that in the last few weeks, uh, President Uhuru Kenyatta has been going around the country, launching a number of uh, projects, including major infrastructural projects like the Nairobi Expressway and every time after launching a project he'll address the people and somehow directly or indirectly he'll remind them that they should vote for Raila Odinga now he never says it in so many words. So there was a concern that uh, if he was to go somewhere Sunday, which is typical of, uh, you know, all presidents and uh, high-ranking politicians on Sundays, they go to their places of worship. And uh, the concern was that he may say something, whether in a more direct way or even indirectly, that may amount to doing the last speech.
1: What are the latest polls in Kenya saying about the two leading candidates, Raila Odinga, and uh, Deputy President uh, Ruto, what the latest polls before the election?
2: Yeah, the latest polls put Raila Odinga ahead by about uh, six points. It's like at 47 uh, percent compared to Ruto's 41 uh, percent. So most people kind of are cautious about those numbers because they say, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of people or even not if not millions who had not made up their mind by the time that poll was conducted uh, several, several weeks ago. So some say you cannot be sure that uh, the undecided voters would not tilt the scales in favor, let's say, of of Ruto. They have been vigorously campaigning for the last few weeks. And so anything could have changed in between those days and the time that the polls were conducted. So they dismissed those polls as being unreliable. So you have to really wait and see what happens on Tuesday.
1: Vincent, we shall check with you again on Tuesday morning. Thank you for speaking with us on Daybreak Africa. Thank you, James. That's viewers Vincent Mancori speaking from the Kenyan capital, Nairobi. American diplomat David Shane, former ambassador to Ethiopia and Burkina Faso, and Joshua Mesevi, senior policy analyst for Africa and the Middle East at the Heritage Foundation, discussed the Kenyan election with VOA and counter host, Carol Castile, beginning with Shane, who says President Uhuru Kenyatta's support for Raila Odinga underscores the fact that the campaign is based more on personalities than on big issues like the economy.
4: The economy of Kenya is in a difficult situation at the moment with high inflation, very high uh, youth unemployment a serious drought. And those are the major concerns. There otherwise are not significant policy issues to deal with. And there's a lot of concern, as usual, about the aftermath of the election. Will it be peaceful or not? I think there's a fairly good chance it will be peaceful this time. The polls show that Odenga has a slight lead over Ruto at the moment, but it may be so slight that neither one will reach 50 percent. Which means there will have to be a runoff. And that too would be a first. Josh, anything you'd like to add or subtract to what's at stake? Yes, the big concern around Kenyan elections are whether there will be violence in the aftermath. We all remember what happened in 2007 thousands of people killed in that violence. I'm somewhat optimistic that there won't be that level of violence this time around. For one, this contest is breaking down less uh, along ethnic and tribal lines. We saw the tribal mobilization was a major element of the violence in 2007. But this time around, there's much less of that. It does seem to be more as Ambassador Shin, Jeff referenced more about personalities and certain issues. So that's actually positive. We would always hope that it would be an issues-driven debate. But we will all be holding our breath, I think. I certainly will be because you can never, unfortunately, discount the prospect of violence if there's a poor loser who then decides to do what's best for himself and not for his country mm-hmm. and, and mobilizes violence. So hopefully it will be peaceful.
1: That's Joshua Monserve, Senior Policy Analyst for Africa and the Middle East at the Heritage Foundation, along with Ambassador David Sheen, speaking with my colleague Carol Castillo in an excerpt from Encounter, which can be heard every Saturday and Sunday on VOA. U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, is in South Africa on the first leg of a trip to Africa. His first stop was in Puanian, one, as he visited a museum that commemorates a key moment in the anti-apartheid struggle. Kit Bartlett reports from Johannesburg.
0: Secretary Blinken on Sunday visited the Hector Peterson Museum and Memorial in the township of Soweto, once home to South Africa's first Democratic president, Nelson Mandela. The museum is named after Hector Peterson, who was just 12 years old when he was shot and killed by police during the Soweto uprising of 1976. Peterson was among black students protesting the use of Afrikaans, regarded as the language of the oppressor, in schools. A black and white photo taken of Peterson being carried by a distraught fellow student sent shockwaves around the world and helped galvanize the anti-apartheid movement abroad. Blinken laid a wreath at the site and was accompanied on his tour of the museum by Peterson's sister, Antoinette Sitole. Blinken appeared to make reference to the United States' own fight for racial equality when he addressed the news media after the visit.
4: Hector's story is one that really resonates because we have our own, uh, our own struggle uh, for freedom and equality in the United States. And South Africa's story is unique, but there are also so many common elements.
0: Blinken said the museum was a reminder of the power young people have to change society.
4: I think what's so extraordinary about this museum is that it's living history because it's inspiring people uh, to see the power that young people can have to make change, uh, to make change in all of our societies.
0: On Monday, America's top diplomat will meet for talks with South Africa's foreign minister, Naledi Pandor, and launch a new U.S. strategy for sub-Saharan Africa. Elements of the policy, including climate change, trade, health and food insecurity, will all be topics of discussion. Kate Bartlett for VOA News, Johannesburg.
1: The former spokesperson for South Sudan President Sal Kiir says there is no relationship between his dismissal and last week's firing of the country's finance minister and central bank governor. Aten Wekaten, who has been spokesperson for the past nine years, was terminated over the weekend through a presidential decree read over state radio. Wekaten tells me that it is the prerogative of President Kiir to appoint and dismiss officials. He says he's grateful to President Kiir for allowing him to serve the people of South Sudan for the past nine years. Wekatein says he will continue to serve as a delegate to the SPLM National Convention until its next meeting, unless the president offers him another assignment. I will
5: spend nine years there is an ample time, and I will keep thankful to the president. He did not drop me. He has relieved me from uh, this assignment, and I'm still a member of the party.
1: As you say, you spent nine years. So is this just a form of reorganization by the president?
5: Yeah, of course. I was appointed by the president and also relieved by the president. It's the same appointing authority that appointed me that has relieved me. And he has the right to do that.
1: I don't know. Should I call it your dismissal? Comes almost a week after the president dismissed the finance minister. What is happening here?
5: No, the two decisions have no relationship at all. The relief of the finance minister and the governor of Central Bank is completely set my own. They are not the same, and they are not related in any way.
1: This comes also as South Sudan has been criticized and as the peace process is hanging in the balance. The finance minister and now you, what can we say? Are you casualties of the struggling peace process or anything has to do with fighting corruption? What, what is happening? That's what we are trying to figure out. First
5: of all, I cannot speak for the finance and the, the governor, but I will speak for myself. The peace in South Sudan is an ongoing process. The leadership the Revitalized Transitional National Unity Government has unanimously agreed to extend the tenure of the office for 24 months, it's starting from 1st uh, of February next year, after the lapse of uh, the current tenure of uh, the Transitional National Unity Government. So this is a positive step forward, and I am positive that the leadership will continue to do its best to ensure that the country maintains peace and security.
1: The reason we are asking is that the President gave no reason for your dismissal and for the dismissal of the other people, and we are just speculating is it possible that the, these uh, actions are coming from criticism of uh, either about corruption in the government or the lingering peace process that's what we are trying to figure out wh- what is going on well
5: uh, anything in which the reason is that to... Always, uh, you know, leads to speculations, and people might be sitting to guess as to what might have triggered the removal or the certain official from the government for relief from the government. the truth of the matter, you know, relief and appointment are the routines of the government, and the president has the prerogative by law and the constitution for who he fit for the office and to dismiss who he wants to remove. It. Sometimes it is not attached to any reason. In my case, I have approved this. And I have thanked the president because nine years is a long time to spend in this active job. You know, my job is a very active job, by the way, to be honest. And leaving me from uh, my positions also relieved me from the stress of the job itself. So I am quite grateful to the president.
1: So what are you going to be doing now?
5: I'm a very peaceful human being. I'm, I'm going to stay in Cuba. Like before I was appointed in the office of the president, I was doing things that I was capable of doing. Maybe I will will not be uh, be writing because um, I'm still having responsibilities and a member of the party that
1: appointed me uh, nine years ago. Mr. Wakaten, thank you so much. Uh, It's been a pleasure knowing you and always speaking with you. And please keep in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you. Atain Wakatain is the former spokesperson for South Sudan President Salva Kiir. He was speaking from the capital, Juba. Ivorians have been reacting to President Alassane Ouattara's weekend pardon of former President Laurent Babo. Ouattara said Saturday that he was granting amnesty to his predecessor to foster national reconciliation. But in Abidjan, Babo's party is reserving any comment about the pardon because of what a source refers to as unresolved issues. Eric Edai, who is from Ivory Coast, is a program officer at the Solidarity Center in Washington, D.C. He tells me that many Ivorians were hoping that President Ouattara's amnesty would include the release of all political prisoners. My
3: take on that is this: that the you know, following the uh, tripartite meeting that they had, you know, Mr. watara Mr. Babu, and Mr. BDA, there was a sense of uh, hope that you know, on August the seventh, during the uh, speech that you know, where we heard that many more of those political prisoners would be released. This is not what we have heard, but my opinion on that is this: that you know, uh, that decision is a kind of contradicting a b a a little bit the uh, current or the direction that you know we're seeing that have a taken since uh, March the 31st of 2021 when the uh, International Criminal Court cleared, you know, President of all the charges against him in the uh, events that happened after the uh, -the post-election, you know, in 2010. Why do I say this? I believe that, you know, in international norm, people should not be judged twice, and we all remember that, you know, what the charges for which Mr. Watara is uh, pardoning uh, President Garbo have to do with uh, the uh, Central Bank of West Africa, when in 2010-2011, it is claimed that President Babo nationalized and basically uh, uh, took over that bank.
1: I was speaking to someone in Abidjan, closer to the Babo party, and they don't want to come out right now to speak about this development because they say there are other issues that are still to be resolved. What do you think they might be talking about?
3: Well, right now, I believe that, you know, what, I mean, the majority of the people were expecting was the release of all of the uh, military officers who have been arrested. Up to now, we are talking about, you know, about, you know, a a hundred of them. And I believe that, you know, a year from now, this not being done is uh, certainly one of the things that, you know, people are talking about.
1: President uh, Watara said he was issuing this pardon to foster national reconciliation. As an Ivorian, what do you think about this effort so far towards national reconciliation?
3: No, I think that uh, if we want to be very straightforward and we really want to achieve national reconciliation, stability, harmony, and uh, some sort of uh, durable peace for the country to uh, move forward, at least you know, in terms of a political stability, for other things to be done, Whatever we say and the acts that we pose or the way we implement what we say should have been clear.
1: Thank you very much.
3: Thank you for reaching out to me to share my opinion.
1: Eric Edai is an Ivorian and program officer at the Solidarity Center in Washington, D.C. A member of the Malawi Civil Society groups that have led violent protests demanding President Lazarus Chakwera call a referendum or resign is denying reports that their demonstrations that are being funded by outsiders. The online Malawi Nyansa Times newspaper reported over the weekend that the funders allegedly include the UTM party of Vice President Solos Chilima. The UTM describes the allegations as propaganda by individuals who do not wish the party and its leadership well. Stephen Chimwanza is a member of the Human Rights Ambassadors of Malawi. He tells me that ordinary Malawians are contributing whatever they can to fund the protests.
6: This is very for. This is very unfair. This is very shocking to hear a fellow Malawi newspaper or a journalist giving message to the world with such content. I am absolutely don't know exactly what these people are trying to say. It is the local Malawian who are suffering by hierarchy of the price of the commodities.
1: It is not about politics,
6: it's not about what
1: how are you funded therefore to mobilize these protests? How do you get to do it?
6: Here in Malawi, we know that when he, somebody has four into two problems, we give a hand to one another. Now, our demonstrations is about what Malawians are passing through. Therefore, each one will contribute. For instance, myself, Ambassador Mwaza, I have handed the question. My colleague has... The other one has 100 words, the other one has 50 words. Any contribution, we make something. That is why, even the United States, they say, Unite, we stand. United, we stand. United, we make things. So, Malawians are united. We have ganged up the local citizens to fight against what is happening in Malawi. We, the local people, we, the civil society, we are making contributions. That is where our fund is coming from.
1: So how much impact do you think your protests are making? President Shaquera is still the president of uh, Malawi. How much impact uh, are you making? Uh,
6: the impact is slowly coming up. I think people within Malawi or beyond the are now able to understand the loud cry of Malawians. The impact is still there. The president is soon will resign or will call for a referendum. That is absolutely will happen.
1: Thank you so much again. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure too. Stephen Chimwanza is a member of the Human Rights Ambassadors of Malawi. You are speaking from Lilongwe. Now for the Break Africa Sports and Here is something Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. In very a good Monday morning to you, something.
7: Good Monday morning to you too, James. We begin the sports in Birmingham as day 10 of the 2022 Commonwealth Games brought a lot of laurels for African athletes. Nigerian long jumper Ese Brume broke the Commonwealth Games record to win Team Nigeria's 12th gold medal at the ongoing event in Birmingham on Sunday evening. Brume put herself in a commanding position for the gold medal. After her fourth attempt gave her a new Commonwealth Games record of 6.99 meters. The 26 year old broke the Games record again a few minutes later with her last attempt after a leap of 7.00 meters to put her way ahead to clinch Nigeria's last gold of day 10. In the relay event, Team Nigeria's women's 4 x 100 meters quartet of Tobia Musa, Favour Fili, Rosemary Tukuma, and Grace Nwakocha became the first women's relay team to win a Commonwealth Games gold. The quartet ran in a time of 42.10 seconds to break the Afghan record of 42.22 seconds. They set in Oregon, USA at the World Athletics Championships. The men's team of Udo Di Favour Ashi. Alaba Akintola and Raymond Ekevo took the bronze medal, the first by the men's 4x100 meters relay team since 1982. Nigeria's sports minister Diary described the performance of the Nigerian team at the Commonwealth Games as record-breaking. The performance of Team Nigeria at the 22nd Commonwealth Games has been excellent, inspirational and also very commendable. This performance is like no order. Many new records were set, even as old records were broken. Jinxes of about 30, 40 years, where we never had any podium performance we're also broken. In the cycling event, South African professional road cyclist Daryl Mpe bagged a silver medal for South Africa in the men's cycling road race at the Commonwealth Games on Sunday. Mpe finished just behind New Zealand's Aaron Gate. Gate won his fourth gold medal at this year's event in a time of 3 hours, 28 minutes and 29 seconds. Staying with Athletics World 5000 meters silver medalist Kenyan Beatrice Tibet won the Commonwealth Games women's 5,000 meters title. Chipette stumped to the lead for the first time with 200 meters to go, zooming past compatriots Sela Jipleting and Ilish McCulgan to win in 14 minutes and 38.21 seconds at the Alexander Stadium on Sunday. Elsewhere, Zambian teenager Muzala Samukonga won his nation's first ever Commonwealth Games 400-meters title as Sada Williams gave Barbados their first gold in the women's event on the final day of athletics in Birmingham. And that's it for Daybreak African Sports. I am Samson Omale in
1: Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, James, in Washington. Thank you, Samson. Have a good Monday. And that's it for this Monday, August 8th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for starting your week with us. For more Africa news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube, where you can watch our TV shows, Africa 54, Straight of Africa, and Red Carpet. On behalf of the entire Daybreak Africa crew, I'm James Barté in Washington, wishing you will have a great week.
7: Hey, sports fans, brighten your day by tuning into the sunny side of sports Monday through Friday at 1630 and 1830 UTC. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash VOA sunny and on Twitter at VOA sunny sports or check out the blog at blogs.voanews.com forward slash sunny. It's the sunny side of sports right here on the voice of America. Hello, I'm Douglas Simpoga, host of VOA's Reporters' Roundtable. Join us every Thursday as we discuss important African topics and events. I'll have a panel of African journalists and expert guests to discuss the topic at hand. We take a deeper look at important African news topics. That's Reporters' Roundtable every Thursday at 17.30 UTC, right here on VOA Africa.